Praise the Lord. You are listening to Scripture Unleashed. We want to give a shout out to Gabe Fuentes, who's standing outside our door right now waving at us. <laughs> waving at us. Can I do that? Praise the Lord. My name is Joe, and welcome to Scripture Unleashed. Today, I am joined here with Seth. Hey. Anthony. Hey, hey. And Jacob. Hey. Scripture Unleashed is a podcast that aligns with the bread reading program that is put out by the Children's Ministry Department of the UPCI. In this episode, we will be covering Matthew chapter 25 through 28. In Leviticus chapter 1 through 12, as well as Psalms chapter 21 through 24. And while we are covering these things, please remember that on some of the stuff that is just our opinion, maybe, if your pastor teaches it differently than, than what you hear here, just remember that God placed your pastor in your life for a reason. It is God's will that you submit to Him. In the past few episodes of Scripture Unleashed, we have been doing an overview of all the chapters that you will be reading in that week of the bread program. But that really was just taking too much time. If you get four preachers together, you're just not going to cover that many yeah. chapters in an hour. <laughs> and so this week, to try to keep that time down, we are just going to do some, just pull out some focused content out of what you will be reading. And this week, we are actually going to start in Leviticus chapter one, we're going to go, kind of go through the different sacrifices for sins and those things. So in Leviticus 1, the Lord calls out to Moses and he basically breaks it down how it's going to be. Moses says, okay, I've kind of organized the five offerings that mm-hmm. we talk about yep. in, in this bread reading here. The number one was the burnt offering. Now the important thing about this was it was voluntary. It was given of a free will. Mm-hmm. And this, of course, depicts the complete surrender of Jesus Christ as he willingly gave himself. Also, just a side note, the inward parts were washed with water, and this relates to inward holiness. Psalms 51, 6, Psalmist said, Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Number two, the, the second offering that is talked about is the meat offering. And this refers to the life of Christ. This is actually the only offering in our reading that was without blood. And it signifies life rather than death. Hmm. Some would say the flour and the oil symbolize Christ's humanity as well as his deity. And this offering was seasoned with salt. Colossians 4.6 is let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how ye ought to answer every man. And John 7, 46, the officers answered, Never man spake like this man. And they were referring to Jesus Christ, whose words are spirit and life. Yeah, right. Now, the peace offering, it really pictures our communion with the Lord. I mean, it's in the name, the peace offering. You're trying to make peace with God. Both the guilty and priest would receive a portion of this offering. And as the sacrifice had to be killed and roasted before consuming, and so is our fellowship with God, is brought about only on the basis of suffering and death of Christ. Romans 5.1, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. No other way. Yeah, there's no other way. I think it's important if we're going to make a peace offering with God, one of the requirements for this peace offering was is found in Leviticus chapter 7, 
verse 20 where it says, But the soul that eateth of the flesh of the sacrifice of peace offerings that pertain unto the Lord, having his uncleanness upon him, even that soul shall be cut off from his people. Yeah. And then if you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 17 through the end of the chapter, it's talking about communion. And so, you know, you said that the peace offering pictures our communion with the Lord. Yeah. Well, communion is supposed to be, you know, where Jesus said, take this, this is my body, uh, which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. And then he talked about the New Testament blood. And then when he comes down in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 27, the Apostle Paul said, Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Mm -hmm. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For eat it, for he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Yeah. And so if we're going to, uh, you know, try to make peace with God and, you know, have communion and fellowship mm -hmm. with God, we first have to examine ourselves, mm -hmm. and this is talking about communion in this specific thing, but yeah. I mean, really, the peace offering, we're not going to have peace with God if we're not right with God. I don't know why this just popped in my head, but you know, with, with all of these offerings, one thing that's important to note is that every time that it says that the offering was killed, it wasn't the priest that killed the offering. It was the person that was bringing it. Mm -hmm. He would lay his hand upon it. He would slit its throat. The Levites would collect the blood and give it to the priests, and the mm. priests would then do that, and the Levites would be cutting up the sacrifice, giving it to the priests to throw upon the altar. It really shows like how much of a sacrifice this is to these people, right? Like if if I were to if Brother Joe was my was the priest at this time, and I just you know bring my my lamb, and I'm like, all right, here you go, you know my sacrifice, and I walk off. There's no there's I mean there's a little bit of sacrifice because I have to give up my sure, sure. my thing, but there's. There's no personal. There's no, nothing personal for me. Yeah, there's no. Right. Like, there's no emotional yeah. connection there. Yeah, right. and, and really, this is kind of what we see in repentance. Right. You know, repentance isn't just you say the Lord's prayer. You just say, you know, oh, I believe yeah. that the Lord is God. Now I'm saved. Right. It is a sacrifice. You to repent, to turn away, to shun your old life, basically, to turn away from it's, the wicked. It's the difference between religion and relationship. That's exactly, exactly right. Yes, no, that's exactly. good stuff. Yeah, yeah. like it, it's so deep the fact that they had to kill it themselves. Right. For this sacrifice. Right, and you know, with that, it, you know, just shows how personal it is because there's a huge uh, religion that preaches and teaches, you know, talking about communion, mm -hmm. that this is the literal body that the mm -hmm. bread sure. becomes a literal literal body of Jesus Christ and that the wine becomes the literal blood of Jesus Christ. But even with that, it is so impersonal. It's like, well, I'm going to Mass, you know, and then right after that, it's like, I'm going to the bar next. This is not at all what God desires. No. It's so, like, just this religious act. Yeah. You know, it's personal. Our peace and our fellowship with God, it's got to be done from a pure heart. It's got to be done from a clean heart. And without that, we're not going to get very yeah. far. And, and one thing, I mean, not to... Not slam, but we read right here. Oh, no, we are slamming it. Well, well okay, we'll slam it, right? <laughs> False. Levitic, Leviticus chapter 10, verses 8 through 11, right? This is the priests are not to drink wine. 
Right. When they're done giving their communion at these masses, they would, after they're done giving everybody a drink, then the the priest in these Catholic ceremonies finishes the glass. Oh, really? They yep. finish the cup. Yeah, they do. But it says here, and the Lord spake unto Aaron. He Lord speak not even through Moses, speaking directly to the priest. Do not drink wine nor strong drink, thou nor thy sons with thee, when ye go into the tabernacle of the congregation, lest ye die. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations, and that ye may put difference between holy and unholy, and between unclean and clean, and that ye may teach the children of Israel all the statutes which the Lord has spoken unto them by the hand of Moses. When when these Catholic priests are, are drinking this, and, and, and any, I don't know, there might be other religions that do the same thing. Or, yeah, or even just drink. Yeah, or, or they're just inebriated when they come into the service anyways. Or just drinking. <laughs> or just, well, yeah, or just <laughs> don't drinking. Don't have to be inebriated. <laughs> just, like, like, but the fact that, you know, we are, we are a royal priesthood. Right. That means we need to have our faculties about us. We need to make right. sure that our minds are clear so that we can put difference between holy and unholy and between yeah. unclean and clean. Anything that messes with our mind, messes, you know, we should not do it. I mean, just based on this scripture alone. Yep. And there's and there's a whole host of other scriptures yeah. that, that back that up as well. In the Old Testament, there were priests, they were mediators yeah. between the people and God. First Timothy 2 yep. verse 5 says, Anthony, you got the scripture? Yep. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Jesus Christ yeah. nailed that, that wall of partition to the cross. And so we all have access, and the Bible says that we are a holy nation, a royal priesthood. Mm -hmm. And so we preach against drinking. You know, they point out, don't, obviously for the priests not to drink when they're ministering in the congregation. And then verse 10, that you may put difference between holy and unholy, between unclean and clean. And that you may teach the children of Israel all the statutes with the Lord hath spoken unto them by the hand of Moses. And so like they're to be sober when yeah. they go in to minister yeah. and then to be clear headed and not only just to minister as far as like, you know, the sacrifice of this type of thing, but it says in verse 11 that you may teach the children of Israel all the statutes. You're supposed to be clear minded so you can have clear doctrine. Right. When you're yeah. teaching yeah. the word. True. Yeah. And so that's that's why in the New Testament, First Timothy 3 and 8, you know, to the elders, to the bishops, Right, don't be given to wine. We know that First Corinthians chapter six, nine, and ten. You know, don't be deceived. You know, one of the things that's not going to make it into heaven is a drunkard. Right. You know, the thing, Titus one seven, not to to uh, be given to wine, to strong drink. Why? We're supposed to teach clearly. First uh, Peter chapter five verse eight it says, "Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom." He may devour. Right. Yeah. If you're drinking, you're really opening up yourself to uh, deception of the devil. The next is the sin offering, and that is just a general offering. There's no sins actually listed on what this pertains to, and it's distinct from the trespass offering. Reading from Anthony's notes here, it really points to our evil nature, yeah. to, to the wickedness that, that is in us because of our fall, because of Adam and Eve eating of the, the knowledge of good and evil. Right. And then... The last one, the trespass offering, pertains to our evil actions. And that trespass offering of Leviticus 5 atones for the fruits of that evil nature, the acts that are actually performed. Uh, Brother Anthony, you have that last note there on that. What What's interesting when you look at the five offerings, the first three were of a sweet savor, pointed to holiness, whereas the last two were actually taken outside the camp because they were so vile to God. Mm. So the light doctrine, to my complete understanding, is basically a letdown of apostolic doctrine. 
so what it is is Jesus said uh, in John chapter 3 you must be born again of water and spirit or you will not see or enter the kingdom of heaven that's the truth yep. okay that's that's the standard yep. if you're not born again you will not make heaven and so but there's people that will say you didn't mean that yeah, he didn't know that. No, 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 what they'll say is like, you know, that's that's good and whatnot. And if you've heard that, that's great. But if you haven't heard what to do to get right with God, but you're walking in all the light or all the revelation or all the knowledge that you you know, you know, if you're walking in everything you know to do, then you're okay. Other than that, yeah. So don't come but, to church and hear more, right? Well, yeah, because like that basically that's what that turns that into is yeah, I shouldn't, exactly. but I here, shouldn't start preaching to somebody because the second I preach to them, if they don't believe what I say, they're damned. Right, right, right. And so here in Leviticus chapter five verse seventeen, the Bible kind of puts the kibosh to use a, is that a North Dakota word? The kibosh on that and just shuts just it down. Fruit. And if oh, a soul sin. <laughs> And commit any of these things which are forbidden to be done by the commandments of the Lord, though he wist it not, yet is he guilty, and shall bear his iniquity. Even if you didn't know what was right and yeah. wrong, right. Uh, you're still guilty. It's the same in the American law system. You know, I didn't know I was going 65 and a 55. You still get but a ticket. You still get a ticket. You, there's yeah. still punishment and consequence for disobeying the law, and obviously the law of God that extends into the New Testament as far as salvation goes, as far as, you know, what believing the truth. I believe the light doctrine. I believe we're supposed to be the light of the world. So I do, yeah. believe, <laughs> <laughs> I do believe that. No, the light doctrine, I feel like it's just a terrible, terrible doctrine. It's a doctrine that t that teaches, I mean, it's just a really, it, it takes away the urgency for outreach. It takes away the urgency for preaching. I mean, it just goes directly against the whole Bible. I'm shocked that there are people that call themselves apostolic that believe that. Yeah. Jesus made it very clear in John chapter 3 that if we're not born again for one and then uh, John 3 16 for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son uh, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life and then it talks about right after that that he didn't come to condemn the world but he came to save the world if you don't believe in him you're condemned already yeah already condemned in Romans chapter 10 it says for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed and how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard and how shall they hear without a preacher the light doctrine would even go as far as to say that people that don't even believe in Jesus could be saved according to the Bible you won't be saved right yeah Jesus said you're already condemned if you don't believe in him right. yeah and that's right. the reason for preaching is to to bring you out of that condemnation yeah exactly yeah. for when the Gentiles those unbelievers which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law. These, having not the law, are a law unto themselves, which show the work of the law within their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness in their thoughts, the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. Yeah. You know, what it says there in verse 16, in the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel, according to Paul's <laughs> gospel. Like, it doesn't matter if they if they know it or not, they're going to be they're going to be judged because right. they because God puts a moral law into our hearts. He puts a, you know, a moral compass, if you would, to the ways of right. Yeah, there's people whose moral compasses are way way messed up, but it's still there. Yeah. It's still there pointing north. They just decide to turn south. Yeah. Yeah. Deep, yeah, deep down there's a 
there's a knowledge in every human being of God and of a righteousness, of a right way. You know, I was talking with a, a guy who used to be a police officer, and he said, you know, there's psychological tests they'll do if, you, if you're asking somebody questions. And it, this might be the hardest criminal. And he said, but you uh, you just ask them straight out. Are there any, uh, you know, how are you doing today? You ask them a few questions, you get them talking, and then he's, you just drop it on them. Are there any drugs in the vehicle? And if there's a, uh, no, he said, you know, there is. Yeah. Because in, within every person, no matter how hard they are, he's like, it takes a second to decide to lie. Mm-hmm. It takes a moment wow. to decide to go against uh, your nature wow. and lie. And so it's, it's very interesting. I want I want to ask a question. What what, it, what was the fruit that Adam and Eve ate? It no, was the fruit of the of, knowledge of good and evil. Of the knowledge, knowledge of good and evil. Okay. Well, I thought every. Yeah, I know. It's not an apple. <laughs> so, okay. It's not an apple. No. <laughs> okay. My bad. All but right. all of us have the knowledge right. of good and evil. We know yeah. we're able to judge between good and evil. That's right. in our nature. If we're not drunk. If we're not drunk. <laughs> I mean, for real. Yeah. And to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. So Second Thessalonians 1 and 8 now. It says, In flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's very troubling. Yeah. You know, because it puts a lot of pressure on us. Mm-hmm. Right. And we we got a world that doesn't know him. And that's yeah. going right. to be lost unless we share the gospel with them. Mm-hmm. Right. And if you believe the false doctrine or the light doctrine, then there is, again, there is no urgency. rush. Yeah, yeah urgency mm-hmm. to, uh, to spread the gospel. Well, I believe we are going to take a little ad break, and we will be right back with some more good stuff from the Bible. All right. Welcome back to Scripture Unleashed. Hey, we need to give a shout-out to Brother Gabe Fuentes who is standing outside our door waving at us, or was a little earlier, so shout out to Gabe. Hey, Gabe. Hey, Gabe. <laughs> hey bud. In the, just before we went into the break, bud. we were... Why <laughs> <laughs> not? <laughs> just before we went into the break, we were talking about uh, Leviticus. We're going to cover the end of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew. It's the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. We're going to start in Matthew chapter 26. We are going to start with the Passover meal. Jacob Gilbert. All right. You know, the Passover meal that you see here on the on verse 17 of 26, it says, Now the first day of the feast of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Where wilt thou that thou prepare for us? So they wind up in the house of Mark, the upper room of his house. The Passover meal had so much stuff that pointed to Christ right. just in itself. And we're talking the actual Passover in the book of Exodus. Yes, right? Exodus 12. But this was the Passover that they would that they would do uh, every forever. Forever. Yeah. That was the same the Jesus. same meal that they that they would do. So to sit in on a Passover meal is honestly a lot different than just reading what you read in Exodus 12. Different parts of that they have all these intricate parts that they go through different processes and each one points to the Messiah. Each one points to Christ's crucifixion. In fact, when he gives and he, he gives them the bread, that's the next part of their meal. Comes to that part of the meal, he says, take, eat, this is my body. He's showing them this part of the Passover is the part that is pointing to me. Take, drink, all of it. This is the cup of the blood that was shed for you. You know, this is the next part of the Passover meal. Everything in the Passover meal points to the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. Yeah. You know, the Jews would say that God never required a human sacrifice. So therefore, you know, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ 
is mm. paganism. I mean, they, they believe it to be paganism. Mm -hmm. if, if you ever run into someone that believes that, or maybe there's a Jew listening, I would just remind you of Isaiah chapter 53, which is a direct prophecy of the Messiah. Of the Messiah. That's right. And, you know, from the Old Testament, we can prove to you that God uh, absolutely had in mind a human sacrifice because here's what it said the Lord talks about he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground he hath no form of comeliness and then it says that he is despised and rejected a man so man he, of sorrow, yeah. he is a man of yeah. sorrows and then he's in verse 7 it says he was oppressed and he was afflicted yet he opened not his mouth he is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. In verse 10, Yet it pleases the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief, when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. And so his soul was an offering for sin. Yeah. If you look at that, the seed that it talked about, or the root, it talked about it in Isaiah 53, verse 2. If you go to Isaiah chapter 11, it talks about where you... I was going to say, can I, can I interject there, verse 8? Yeah. Um, it says that who shall declare his generation for he was cut off out of the land of the living mm. for the transgression of my people was he stricken. Mm. He was killed for the transgression of the Israel, for all of us. Right. right. Yes. But for his people. I mean, For his people. So let's be very clear that 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 argument does not hold any water yeah. that God never so if you know if somebody's ever said that to you and it floored you remember Isaiah chapter 53 and if you're a Christian listening Hebrews chapter 10 for the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereon to perfect verse 3 but in those sacrifices there is a remembrance again made of sins every year for it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins wherefore when he cometh into the world he says sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not but a body hast thou prepared me in burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hast had no pleasure then said I lo I come in the volume of the book it is written of me to do thy will O God that's good we we better move along quickly here there was the Passover meal in Matthew chapter 26 Jesus talked about in the Passover meal about one that would betray him of course we see this was Judas in Matthew chapter 26 verse 26 as they were eating this is the Last Supper. This is the Passover. You know, as they were eating, Jesus said, Take, eat, this is my body. He took the cup. He said, Drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Mm -hmm. And the blood of Jesus Christ was shed for the remission of sins. And 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 says, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. Uh, Jesus Christ is the Passover lamb. Mm -hmm. So thank God for the blood. Next we see the prayer that Jesus prays in Gethsemane. Matthew 26, 39, and he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed saying, Oh my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. Before there was Calvary, there was Gethsemane. The greatest fight will 
will ever fight is overcoming our own human will. That is absolutely that is correct. <laughs> no, that is, that is good though. And a little epic. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's very good. No, that's exactly right. And that's the thing. Jesus Christ was fully man. Yeah. You know, God yeah. desired a body. Yeah. And we talked Perfect about. example. Yeah. yeah. He was a man who submitted his will to that of the fathers, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and so what you said, the, the greatest battle is with our flesh, and actually, that's one of the reasons for prayer, because Jesus' yeah. yes. prayer was submitting yeah. his flesh to the yeah. Spirit of God. Verse 40, he said, can you not pray with me one hour? Yeah. And then he said, watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The Spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He found them asleep. Yeah. <laughs> and then he the comes in time. verse 45, yeah, third time, he comes back, he cometh to his disciples and saith unto them, sleep on now, take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hand of sinners. I mean, can you imagine hearing that? Could you imagine, like, I mean, his humanity side, knowing that this is the night that he's about to die? Yeah, in like the most much, horrible way. Yes, like, right. like his humanity is, is clearly trying to reject this. Yes. Right? yes. But what is that verse that we were reading earlier? That look for the joy of the cross. Yeah, yeah. Hebrews you know, chapter 12. He despised, yeah. he despised the shame. Yeah, it says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. I mean, in this point of just sheer turmoil, and you were saying, Anthony, that he was fighting with his will, with the human will of survival. I mean, that's that's just what it is. You know, Nobody wants to die. Yeah, no one wants yeah. to die. And right. Not even Christ. I mean, he didn't really want to die, but he saw what it was going to do. Right. Such he pain, saw such anguish. He saw that through that pain, through that anguish, through that turmoil, there would come new life, better life. And so he just despised the shame. Yeah, it's not mentioned in this particular gospel, but we do read it in the gospels where he was in so much agony that he was sweating drops of blood. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And of course, we also know that that's actually a real medical condition. Yes, it is. Called uh, hematidrosis, I think. Sounds and it happened to astronauts before they break into outer space. There, there's so much pressure. I've read where soldiers before war are in such anguish and they know what's coming that They've actually sweat. Yeah, they'll sweat, sweat blood. The capillaries will allow yeah. the blood wow. to seep through it and, wow. yeah, and come out of your pores. That was some intense, intense prayer. Yes. Yeah, and I believe that Jesus at this point felt the weight of the sins of the world. Absolutely. Yeah, he had to have. Yeah. 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 yeah, and so he was feeling that as well. Moving on, we see that, that Judas, one of the 12 disciples, betrays Jesus. Jesus for calls him friend. friend. Yeah. He betrays Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Jesus gets captured. He gets brought before the council, I guess, and he is put on trial. He is brought before Pilate, the governor. One, one thing that's interesting to note about his trial is that the trials were supposed to be during daylight. Like you weren't, it wasn't. Mm -hmm. You weren't supposed to have a trial in the evening. It was supposed to be in broad daylight because it was to, you know, signify like how it was a good trial or a fair, a fair trial. Yes, but his trial was in the night. Mm -hmm. They had just finished supper was That's in the Garden shady. of Gethsemane, and then they pull him into this trial area and condemn him of blaspheming. Yeah, the Jews broke all their own protocol. They did, you know, so just trying to kill Christ. Jesus, just trying to get rid of him. Yeah, yeah you know, they, yeah. They, they say, is this the king of the Jews? You know, he said, thou sayest. So what, yeah, what would, you, what would you like me, or would you like me to release unto you the king of the Jews or Barabbas? He's mm -hmm. giving them this choice at this yeah, point. Right. And they say, we have no king but Caesar. People will try and say that Pilate would never have let go 
of Christ. Like he would never have released a person out, but it was his custom during the right. Passover to release one prisoner that they asked. When they said to him, because he didn't want to do anything with this. Yeah, and he his, believed wife, Christ, his yeah. wife even advised yeah, him not to have anything Christ to do Christ was it. innocent. And so when he gets up to there, you know, he washes his hands of it and he says, my hands are washed of this. Yeah. You know, of course he can't really get rid of the blame because he had the power right. to say no. Right. He had that authority. But the thing is, when Pilate sat down on the judgment seat, his wife sent unto him saying, have thou nothing to do with that just, just man. Or, yeah. She said, because I've been, you know, she was battling with this many things this day in a dream because mm -hmm. of him. You know, even his wife was like, don't have anything to do with this just man. Mm -hmm. It's just interesting too, if you go a little further and you look around verse uh, 24, 25, you know, Pilate saw he couldn't prevail, nothing, but that rather a tumult was made. He took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I'm innocent of the blood of this just person. See ye to it. You know, this mm -hmm. is on you guys, you, yeah. you Jews. Then answered all the people and said, his blood be on us and on our children. Guess wow. what? That was prophetic yeah. in two yeah. ways. Yeah. His, yeah, right. his death was definitely on them. Yeah. Yeah. But then those same Jews, just a little while later in the book of Acts, what must we do? And, and you apply the blood of Jesus Christ to your life. Yeah. And uh, so I'm thankful his blood's on my life in that sense. Yeah. You know, but at the same time, some people will say, you know, they'll try to point out this thing. The Jews are the ones guilty, not us, of crucifying Jesus. Yeah, Isaiah 53 says the iniquity of us all was placed on him. Right. Well, something that just popped out to me, I'm just scanning the chapter here, verse 28, and says, and they stripped him and they put on him a scarlet robe. In other words, symbolically, they put on him the weight of sin. Sin is placed on, upon him in, oh, in a symbol, symbolized yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. One thing to note also is that Crucifixion, normally they would be, uh, as it says here in verse 26, he had scourged Jesus. The reason that he scourged Jesus, basically he whipped him, was because he was trying to appease the people. He thought that if he just whip him, he, he could release him. So this was actually done before this final time. He had scourged him, and he delivered him to be crucified. In the more accurate, it says that he scourged him earlier. You weren't supposed to be scorched because if your back is raw and bloody when you go up onto this cross, right, your hand actually reached up to about halfway up your forearm in this time. That was considered your hand. When when in Acts, when it says the centurion takes that young man by the hand and leads him away to talk with him privately, he's grabbing his wrist, what we would call a wrist today. Where Christ was pierced would have been between the two bones in his wrist right here. Yeah, right. Right. The reason we have the term death grip is from crucifixion because if you press right there that it, that your hand will immediately begin to clench right. well just imagine a nail being driven mm, through that oh my. causing those tendons your your muscles then i mean your fists are clenched wow. as tight as they can and christ's back is bloody it wouldn't have been any normal crucifixion his back wouldn't have been bloodied mm. up but now he's having to wait with that there's more than re more than likely the reason why he died sooner i don't think it was the crucifixion that killed jesus I really think it was the sin. So for instance, like God will not dwell with sin. And Jesus died way before the other guys died. And it's very interesting. I don't think it was his beating. I don't think it was his blood loss. I don't think it was the water. I think it was that that the full weight of sin was placed on the, the perfect sacrifice. And God had to step away from that body because God will not dwell with sin. Mm. That kind of pulls us into the part that I really wanted to hit on when we're talking about this crucifixion is the Eloi lama sabachthani. My God, why have you 
forsaken me. So before we had our Bibles that we have today, you wouldn't say, turn with me to Psalm right. and then give a number. You would say, turn with me to the Psalm that begins... My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Not quite. <laughs> we got a musician in the room. Yeah, we got a musician. He just can't. Can't contain himself. Yeah, he yeah. just can't. We'll have him bring a guitar sometime. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus, when he's when he's up on the cross at this point, yes. he is telling them, Psalm 22, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And so we, we go and we look at Psalm 22, and I found it so just amazing that Psalm 22 was a part of this week's lesson yeah, or this you know this week's verbatim yeah yeah it is. yeah and like you know it goes down here uh, see me laugh me to scorn they yep. shoot out the yeah. lip they shake their yes head. yeah when they say you know they say he saved others himself can he save them right. god would They're have saved. him let him come down yeah. they mocked him you know, they spit in his face yes they reviled uh, him the, against him wagged their heads what you were saying about about him dying earlier mm. it may have been that his heart broke because it says, I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. So his bones are out of joint from being hung on the on the cross. My heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bowels. Mm. When they stab him through the side right. and that yeah. pericardium sac and his heart are rent from the spearhead, water and blood yeah. come out. The sign of a broken heart is around your heart. The pericardium sac will all of a sudden retain a lot of water. Hmm. And it will crush the heart yeah. wow. and kill yeah. it. His heart is melted. It's like wax. It's melted in the midst of my vows. From heartbreak, he dies. The yeah. fact that he died for our sins right. is what yeah, he had really matters. He had to die physically, but there was yes. something going on spiritually. Yes. You know? And also in, yeah. in the Psalm 22, verse 17 and 18, uh, it says, I may tell all my bones. What the Romans would do after they had somebody had been crucified, if they wanted to speed up the crucifixion, right? You're, you're standing here, your arms are stretched mm -hmm. out as far as they can, and your feet are also nailed to the, to the upper post. And what you try to do is you try to push yourself up with your feet so that you can breathe. Mm-hmm. And then once your feet start to hurt so bad, you let go, and now you're sagging and you're suffocating. And so right. you would go back and forth. Well, what the Romans would do is eventually they would break the legs of the people. That's what they went to do mm -hmm. to the thieves that were next to Jesus. They broke their legs, and they didn't break Jesus' legs because he was already dead. So that's where you see this, I may tell on my bones, they look and stare upon me. And what's interesting is verbatim, it says, they part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. And this is exactly what they do yeah. to Christ yeah. at the Roman soldiers. This is just an accident that Matthew's story yeah, lined right, up perfectly right, in Psalm yeah. 22, and mm -hmm. Jesus <laughs> quoted it. You yeah, know. and points us to Yeah, he, he sure does. And you read Psalm 22 and it's my God my God why hast thou forsaken me you know why are you so far from helping me it, like this is a messianic prophecy yet at the same time it had a dual purpose David yeah. was writing this yep. like God Going why have you yeah, yeah why have you forsaken me yeah and he was experiencing some terrible things. Yeah. Right. You know, and so many people in Christendom want to go to Psalm 23. You know, the Lord is my sure. shepherd. I mm -hmm. shall not want. Hey, I like make, that song. It's good. Yeah, it's, it's good. good you know, great, he yeah. maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still water. People, people are like always quoting this, you know, man, it's just, this is the goodness of God. But sometimes you got to go through a Psalm 22 mm -hmm. before to get you can get to Psalm, Psalm 23. Well, Psalms yeah. 23, 3, he restoreth my soul. Yeah. Yeah. He restores if he's yeah. restoring it, yeah. it obviously there some things that were something happened. And this is yeah. also a perfect parallel. Okay, this is David's life. Like, yeah, he was yeah. In, in turmoil here, and then 
He restored my soul. And yet, this is a dual meaning here. This is a, uh, a messianic prophecy of Psalm 22 and Psalm 23. This is after the resurrection of Jesus. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, yeah. mm. I fear no evil. Right. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff. That would be the protection of the shepherd. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. They comfort me. Yeah. Obviously, right. this is the man, Christ Jesus, being protected by the Spirit of God. And then, obviously, he ascended into heaven. Mm -hmm. There he's our high priest. Right. But One thing I'd point out is that verse 6 there, right? It starts out, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What other scripture comes to mind when you say follow? These signs shall follow them that believe. When we enter into a situation, whatever the situation, and we ought to be entering in and leaving it different, leaving the situation. We leave the situation in a better state than it was when we came in. Goodness and mercy, follow me. You know, this is what it means to be Christ-like. These signs and wonders follow us right. that believe. All right, that was good. Obviously, we weren't able to cover every detail <laughs> of the crucifixion. And I feel like we personally, I feel like... Uh, we didn't really do justice to the crucifixion of Jesus Christ and all the things that Jesus went through. We really didn't cover his death, his burial, and, or his resurrection. We covered a little bit after the resurrection, but we just really have to be mindful of the time. If we didn't cover something that jumped out to you, we would love to hear from you something that, that you would like to point out or anything that jumped out to you. Of course, you'll be reading these verses. Please let us know. You can do so by sending us a voice message through anchor.fm. Or if you have a word of encouragement or advice, we would take that as well. Please reach out to us through voice message or in the comments yes. or through our Scripture Unleashed Facebook page. And while you're there, leave us a Good review, five-star review. We would appreciate that. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. We look forward to having you with us next week as we go through Leviticus chapter 13 through 25, as well as Romans chapter 1 through 3. God bless. God bless. God bless. Have a great day. God bless us, everyone. <laughs> Thank you for listening. This has been Scripture Unleashed.